Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone, Gil Gross here, and it is time for a preview of the 2023 Mutua Madrid Masters, second clay court masters of the year, beginning a very famous back-to-back Madrid, Rome. For most players, the top players in particular, it is the final two events before the second major of the year, Roland Garros. Exciting times. However, usually when Madrid comes, I feel like RG is only three weeks away. But right now, it's actually five weeks away because Madrid and Rome are officially 96-player draws. Top 32 seeds get by, so seven rounds total. Um, So it is a little bit different now, and we are not as close to the French Open as we normally would be come Madrid. Do you guys like this? You know, comment. Comment um, your thoughts because I don't have a good feel of if fans are happy about this, if fans are not happy about this. Maybe it's not a big deal and none of you really care and I'm the only one really focused on it. But I am curious about if this is preferable. The bigger draw and the longer events versus the one-week Masters 1000 events with the 56-player draws. So yeah, uh, if you feel strongly comment, I'm curious to know what you guys think. If you're new to the channel, in this preview, I'm going to go quarter by quarter. I'm going to give a dark horse. I'm going to give an upset alert. I'm going to give an early popcorn match. I'll give quarter final predictions and final weekend predictions at the end. But first, a couple of thoughts on the Madrid Masters as a whole. First of all, there are a lot of withdrawals here. Tons of withdrawals and significant ones. Novak Djokovic, Yannick Sinner, Rafael Nadal, Matteo Berrettini, Nick Kyrgios, Jack Draper, and then a couple of guys who have been out for a while, but I'll just throw them in here while we're at it. John Isner, Marin Cilic, Jensen Brooksby. Isner, I don't think, is injured. I think they're just having a, a child. His his wife is is due. Uh, or or she already had the child. I'm not sure. Uh, but Cilic, Brooksby, long-term injuries. A couple of guys there, though, who would be title contenders. Obviously, Djokovic, Sinner, Nadal, Berrettini as well, former finalist. So that opens things up a little bit, certainly. The other thing I want to mention before the we get into the quarters, is the conditions. 
Not similar to Roland Garros. You're used to hearing this now if you have followed the sport closely enough or if you've just been tuned into my Madrid previews year after year. Very surfer-friendly conditions because of the altitude mostly. The air is thinner. The ball flies through the air quicker. I also think the architecture of the stadium makes it friendly for the servers. It really keeps out the wind and I think gives it the feel and even the acoustics of an indoor event. So therefore, the serving is good serving is rewarded. Uh, more offensive play is rewarded. And we've seen a lot of evidence that your typical Roland Garros, you know, Rome, Monte Carlo performers won't necessarily enjoy Madrid as much as those other events. One example. Let's take Rafa Nadal. He has won this tournament more than anybody else. However, still about half as good here as he is at the others. He's won it six times. He's won, you know, he's into the double digits in Rome, RG, Monte Carlo. So it's harder for, it's always been harder for Rafa to win this one. It's been a little bit more open to other contenders here at Madrid. Maybe the best one is Petra Kvitova. We go to the women's side, we see a lot of this. Same thing. Kvitova, three-time champion here. It's her best tournament. It's her best big tournament by win percentage. Little bit better than Wimbledon if you just go by record. But what does that tell you? Wimbledon and Madrid. Mm, yeah, that should that should say something. And then, you know, there's always some players who sometimes are guys who struggle on clay who serve really well and and just do well here as a result of that. I mean, you could take last year quarterfinalist Hubert Hurkacz and Felix Auger-Aliassime. Year before, a much better example, you have John Isner, who, by the way, loves this event. He says it's like the best, one of the best tournaments of the year to serve at. And Alexander Bublik. Isner and Bublik made the quarterfinal in 2021. So I can go on and on with more examples. I'm not going to do that. Let's get into this. Beginning with Carlos Alcaraz's quarter, the number one seed. Not the world number one. By the way, rankings update. Rankings update. Alcaraz is defending champion. Djokovic pulled out. If Alcaraz defends his title, Novak will still be number one. By how many points? Five. Five points. Pretty close. Top seeds in Alcaraz's quarter. Andre Rublev, Karen Hachinov, Alexander Zverev, Roberto Bautista Agut, Sebastian Korda, Grigor Dimitrov, Yoshi Nishioka. My dark horse here is Quentin Alice. My upset alert is kind of none, but also Sebastian Korda. My early popcorn is Sebastian uh, Sebastian Cressy, that's not a guy. Maxime Cressy versus Stan Wawrinka. That is, I didn't write it, but that is a first round match. Let's start with the dark horse, Quentin Alice. I believe he's been a dark horse once before this year uh, or this season because uh, in January, he just served the lights out and he's still kind of maintaining that. He... I think last time he was a dark horse, his ace rate was at like 23%. And I saw that number and I was like, holy moly, that's insane. He's gone down from that. 
just to give you an idea of like what's a sick ace rate, Isner for his career is like 22%. So Ali's, he's down to 17% now ace rate through 23 matches. Big sample size, bigger sample size. He was never going to keep up 23%. But 17% is still incredible. The only top 50 player who's better than 17% is Maxime Cressy. Uh, we saw him go on a big run on another fast clay event that in some ways, it's not at altitude, but in some ways is kind of similar to Madrid, which is Estoril. He beat Nuno Borges, RBA, team there, made the semis. And overall, Alice is in really good form. He's won nine of his last 13 matches overall. So if you have a guy, if I have a guy, I should say, who's in good form, a lot of confidence, who serves great, uh, really good dark horse candidate here. So... I have Elise, and let's check the draw real quick for our friend Quentin. Alexi Popper in first round. You know, fellow big servers, that could be some tie breaks, and, and that could get tight. But he does have a, a good seed here in Bautista Agut and, and even Hachinov. So there is some opportunity for, uh, for Alice if he's really playing at a super high level uh, to make an, a nice little run here. My uh, upset alert is Seb Korda. I looked at this quarter. Upset alert, it wasn't easy for me. That's why I wrote none here. There were a lot of like B-minus upset alert picks here. I wasn't like, well, none of these guys I can even consider to get upset. But most of them were like, eh, I'm almost there, but not quite. I don't love it. So I went with Corda. I feel sort of bad going with Corda because, you know, he's just a guy coming off of an injury. Right wrist injury. Hasn't played since the Australian Open. The draw is not too unkind. Diego Schwartzman has shown some signs of life as of late. So Schwartzman, you know, but he's so bad in Madrid. You know, Diego's never done anything in Madrid. So there's that. And then Hugo Grenier, he's a qualifier. And qualifiers are always dangerous. Like if Grenier were to beat Schwartzman, okay, here's a guy on a three-match winning streak. Uh, but I also saw that, you know, Grenier's results, they're not eye-popping. In fact, he lost first round to someone who he could have beaten uh, a couple weeks back at the Madrid Challenger. I don't think it's played on these facilities, but if it is, that'd be kind of funny. So, yeah, I don't feel great about it. Seb Corda, upset alert. Let's see how he looks. Hopefully healthy. Right wrist, always a concern. Honestly, not normally an injury that is like, you know right away, kind of plug and play, get back to the best level right away. Not not usually like that, but maybe it could be. Hopefully it is for Korda. Uh, popcorn match was Cressy versus Vavrinka. This is like the only clay court tournament that Cressy has any chance to do well at. I can't stand Cressy at clay, on clay rather. Uh, then again, it's Vavrinka's worst clay event. He did make the final here in 2013, but other than that, there have been a lot of early exits. Winner... Gets to play Andre Rublev, who could be vulnerable if fatigue is an issue. Coming off of the two, you know, deep runs, Monte Carlo, title, uh, Banya Luka, finalist. You know, if you're going to get a guy like Rublev right away, you know, first match is kind of when you're going to get him, especially when you're transitioning to altitude, which takes time not only to get used to what the conditions are like, in terms of ball speed and the bounce, but cardiovascularly, 
it takes a couple of days to adjust. So it'll be interesting to see Cressy Vavrinka, obviously block return against Servan Volley, you know, kind of something interesting going on there as well. Okay. Uh, quarterfinal here is Carlos Alcaraz defeats Andre Rublev. Let's start with... I want to talk about Zverev, actually. Let's talk about Zverev. Terrible draw for Zverev to get Alcaraz here. I was probably going to pick Sasha to do really well here. If the draw made sense. Despite the fact that he took a, a, a head another another head scratching loss last week against uh Christopher O'Connell, who's a, a nice player, but I'd be lying if I told you that I thought that O'Connell had the capability to beat Zverev on clay. Like maybe on grass, that's where I would pick O'Connell to maybe uh give Zverev some trouble, but not on clay. So, you know, another weird first round loss. He had one two Two events ago in Miami to Taro Daniel. Uh, Taro Daniel. But it's funny. Last year, Zverev was not in good form coming into Madrid. And I didn't pick him to do well, despite a great track record in Madrid. And then Zverev went all the way to the final. And I was kind of like kicking myself. It was one of those times where I'm like, all right, let's remember not to do this next year. Zverev is unbelievable in Madrid. Do not pick him to not do well in Madrid. He is incredible and you have to learn from that and not do it again. Here's the stats for Zverev at Madrid. He's 19-3 and lifetime. He's made three finals and five appearances. Here's my favorite Zverev Madrid stat. He's 8-2 and versus top 10 players. The altitude and the stadium, of course, helps his serve. But, you know, the fact that he's such a good mover on clay, it's kind of the best of both worlds. What Zverev does is, like, serve big, defend great. And this is a great tournament to do those things well. Serve great, defend great, you know, because the you do get that clay court bounce where Zverev just covers the court so well on clay. Uh, again, best of both worlds, happy medium, you know, sweet spot. He's so good here. But he drew Alcaraz, so that's that. Uh, I do have Andre Rublev kind of keeping the good momentum going. If the draw was brutal for, for Rublev, I probably would have had him losing early. But after that potentially tricky first round, Vavrinka or Cressy, I do think things soften up from him for him. Uh, but I am surprised that he didn't rest last week, and that could cost him. Um, he did show some nice signs in Madrid last year. Beat Jack Draper, beat Dan Evans couple of pretty good wins. Lost to Tsitsipas in three sets. Respectable. Respectable loss. So I have Rublev making the quarterfinal here. But ultimately, Alcaraz is my pick to, to get out of this thing. Uh, last year, he pulled off the most impress impressive run by any player all season long. And you know I do the Monday Match Analysis Awards and I pick, you know, tournament run of the year. Alcaraz was the winner for his incredible run beating uh, Nadal in the quarters, Djokovic in the semis, Zverev in the final. I remember his kick serve was particularly nasty on these courts. The, the jump he was getting off the court was really difficult to deal with. 
Uh, the lively conditions are also nice for his forehand. And this is where, you know, sitting out Monte Carlo pays dividends for Alcaraz from a scheduling standpoint. It's going to pay off here in Madrid, which obviously means a lot to him being a Spaniard. If he played Monte Carlo, he'd be in a tough spot here where he would have played two weeks in a row and, you know, you got Rome ahead of things. Last year, what he did was just he, he just pulled out of Rome. But obviously, he wants to play the Masters 1000s um, leading up to Roland Garros, if possible, uh, especially because now they're two-week-long events. You don't want to pull out of Rome anymore, I don't think, because then you go about three weeks before Paris, and that's that's too long. You want to get your matches in. So uh, good scheduling here showed us some great stuff last year here, and his level is through the roof. I mean, great run at Barcelona. So Alcaraz, obvious pick. Let's move on. Number three seed is Casper Rude. Top seeds, Rude, Runa, Hurkacz, Musetti, Chorich, PCB, ADF, Alejandro Davidovich, Vakina, uh, Pablo Carreño Busta is PCB, and Talon, Greek Spore. I don't know why I said Talon that way. It's just Talon. Great, great, great first name. My dark horse here is Yannick Hanfman. My upset alert is Borna Chorich. My early popcorn match is Kokonakis versus Jaume Munar. I don't know if it's Jaume or Jaume. It's kind of kind of in the middle here when I hear him say it. It's kind of in the middle. Um, okay, let's start with dark horse. Yannick Hanfman. Altitude Clay is his jam. If you go year by year and you look at Hoffman's best results, 2017, he made the Stad final. That was his breakout result on tour. He had never done anything at the ATP level until this Stad final. 2020, Kitzbühel final. Last year, Kitzbühel semifinal. Again, these are the best, these are his best results of the year. And 17, 20, 21, uh, or, or 22. It's all altitude clay. This year, Santiago, more altitude clay. He qualifies. He makes the um, the quarterfinal. He lost to the eventual champion, Nicholas Jari. Not his best result this year because uh, he made the Houston semifinal the next week. Also had to come through qualifying, beat Tommy Paul. So a lot of clay wins already under Yannick Hoffman's belt. Here, he came through qualifying. Beat Max Martyrer, beat uh, Arthur Kazoo, maybe? Kazo, Frenchman. Uh, score lines. Good to see these score lines. 6-2, 6-4. So it's that kind of perfect balance. I like a guy who's coming through qualifying winning matches easily. I think that's a, a dangerous guy. First round is against Juan Pablo Varias. Second would be Musetti. He's got a great kick serve, by the way. Awesome kick serve. Might be tough for Musetti to deal with. I love Hoffman. Love him here. Love him. Upset alert is Borna Chorich. Uh, Chorich is on a five-match losing streak. That's pretty much why he's here. I haven't really got to see him and I don't I don't know what's going on. I you know I I haven't heard 
You know, another thing when someone loses so quickly so many times in a row is usually they don't do press. You know, winners do press. Losers don't do press. Uh, that's really only true in tennis, but that's kind of true. So I don't know what's happening. I haven't really been able to see it, but he plays the winner of Jeremy Shardy, who's playing on a protected ranking, and Hugo Gaston. I don't know what kind of tennis Shardy's capable of at the moment. Gaston is a wild card here. He just seems like the worst guy in the world to play when you don't have confidence because he's going to do, you know, throw in a bunch of crazy variety at all times and make it, you know, really hard to hit through a lot of good D kind of erratic level. It just seems like a nightmare to play him if you don't have any confidence. So again, Chorich upset alert. He shouldn't be struggling this much, even if the Cincy title was not a sign of things to come. Like, even if the Cincy title wasn't ever going to be a signal that Chorich was going to compete for those titles on a regular basis, it still shouldn't be this bad. Uh, popcorn match, Kokonakis versus Munar. Yeah, uh, I might be the only one who wants to watch this one, but... I didn't want to put none for a popcorn match because I just kind of like this matchup. Kokonakis has been serving great. I think he went to Australia uh, back home for a bit. So maybe refreshed, maybe rusty. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, Munar, ready to grind it out in Spain like you know Munar does. Good stylistic contrast here. So yeah, these 96 player... 32C draws kind of kill the early popcorn. Kind of kills it. But Kokonakis Munar, I just like it. So I'm going with it. Deal with it. All right. Quarterfinal. I got Holger Runa defeating Kasparud. I believe this would be the first time that those two played since their, since their incident at RG, their much-disputed incident, which Netflix did not cover. Come on. That was disappointing. But um, if you remember, I think, I don't know what happened with the handshake, but I think it was kind of icy. And then Runa, or, you know, Runa said that Casper went up to him in the locker room and basically celebrated in his face. And then Casper said, no, I didn't. What are you talking about? That's the drama. But it's also my quarterfinal prediction. Before I get to those two, uh, I do want to shout out Hercotch. I wanted to pick him to do well here. Just couldn't really get behind him beating Runa. You know, I, I like Holger's return of serve. He he just, I think, you know, deep return position, he can, he can get a bunch in play, defend, just bother Hercotch by taking away that that early offense with the serve and 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 take him out. So I couldn't get behind Hercotch over Runa. Uh, but I do think Hubie's dangerous here because although I've been pretty critical of Hercotch overall, I haven't had a lot of kind things to say about him because I, I just don't feel like he's getting any better. I will say this. I do think he's serving very, very, very well this year. Every time I've seen him play, it's been like, all right, serve is good. It's working. High percentage, good location, tough to read. 
So could be a tough out here for Runa. Let's talk about Kasparud. You know, it's just hasn't really turned around for him to the extent that I, I really, I did think it would. I thought he'd hit the clay and then he'd start to really right the ship. I do have a lot of respect for all of the players that he has lost to as of late. Uh, I love Francisco Serundolo and his forehand on clay, who he lost to last week in Barcelona. Jan Lennard Struff, big weapon guy. Someone who has pulled off so many upsets in his career, it feels like. Dangerous guy. So, you know, he, he did win that Estoril title, although there weren't any really massive wins in there. Highest ranked opponent was Baez, also beat Ketsmanovic. So, I don't know, maybe he needs a stroke of luck to get this thing back on track. And that stroke of luck might be this draw. It might be the draw he got here, especially when you consider his losses have, have all been to big forehands as of late, even if you go back to Miami when he lost to Van de Zanschkulp. But you you look at his section and, and his draw, and there's just there's not big power. There's not big forehands. Greek Spore is struggling suddenly. I really liked the tennis that Greek Spore was playing up until recently, and now he's kind of fallen off. Musetti... Playing well, I don't know how he's going to like these kind of lively, quick altitude conditions, but Musetti's been playing well. PCB has not, hasn't made any noise all year, doesn't play well in Madrid typically anyway. Unseated, like I like Kokonakis, I like Hoffman, but there's no obvious threat here. There's no obvious threat. I, I would even go as far as to say that Kokonakis on a good forehand day, if he's not, like, if he's playing his best, Kokonakis might be the scariest guy for Runa, uh, or sorry, for Rude, because he can get hot on the forehand and just jump all over him, dictate play, which Rude is seemingly kind of letting opponents do, especially in his return games. So good draw. I haven't gotten to the quarterfinals, which I think would be a really good result for Kasparud. I'm going to put Runa through, though. I feel like the clay has really helped Holger Runa. It's helped him use his full array of skills a little bit better, play with more margin. I think I went through this spiel already, so I won't belabor it. Uh, I'm not worried about the injuries that we saw in the final in Munich. You know, the shoulder thing seemed to kind of go away. It was just kind of a blip in the radar. The ankle thing, well, I don't know. He was moving well during the points. Is it going to be something that pops up next week? Maybe. I, I really don't think so. I thought that was just a little little ankle roll that that felt scary and 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 hurt, but it seemed like he could play through it quite easily. So, not worried about that stuff. Don't think it was too physical a tournament in Munich. Yeah, the final went three sets. Got pretty crazy. But none of the matches before then were very long or physical. I think his aggressive second serve will be well suited for these conditions. Uh, he's been using height really well on his forehand, which I also like here in Madrid. It is quite a high bouncing court. And I do think that Runa, which is 
different from how he was playing it on the hard courts is uh, he's playing the high heavy ball a lot. And it's been very effective. So I put Runa through. Next quarter. Stefanos Tsitsipas is the number four seed here. You got Tsitsipas, FAA, Francis Tiafo, Tommy Paul, Dan Evans, Francisco Sarundolo, Sebastian Baez, and Ben Shelton. My dark horse here, two of them, Nicholas Jari and Tomas Martin Echeverri. Oh, I haven't finished. Uh, my upset alert here is Felix Ojeali-Asim. And my early popcorn is Tsitsipas versus Team Edmund, second round. Let's talk about Jari. Nicholas Jari from Santiago, Chile, which is a city in almost 2,000 feet of altitude. So he's pretty used to this. And he got to show us how used to it he is by winning the tournament this year in Santiago. Last year, his best tennis was in Stad, which is also altitude clay. I also like that this year, outside of Santiago, he's put together just a lot of winning stuff on the clay. Rio semifinal, Santiago uh, title, as I mentioned, Monte Carlo round of 16. 13 and 6 overall record this year. And this is a guy who has shown to be very dangerous in the past. Got up to a career high of 40 in the world in 2019. And then he failed a drug test. Had to kind of rebuild his career from, from scratch. And these last, you know, year and a half or so, it seemed like he's back to that top 40, borderline top 30 level where. He brings a lot of weapons to the court, not necessarily consistency, but a lot of weapons kind of in the Struff realm of things. And these are his best conditions. I would not want to play him. Tomas Martin Echeverri, the other Santiago finalist, nice weapons, another aggressive player who has had a lot of experience in the altitude in these South American tournaments. Love his forehand in the best form of his life. By far. And unlike uh, Jari, he's in the better section of this quarter. He's on the top half, which I find to be a very open section of the draw. And maybe I'll say that a lot in these previews or throughout this preview. But I'll take you back to all the withdrawals that we talked about. When you have all these withdrawals to guys as, as good as Djokovic, Nadal, Sinner, Berrettini... Uh, when you have all that going on, there's going to be some sections here that that feel pretty soft. And the top half of this quarter feels pretty soft. Tsitsipas being on the bottom half. So I did want to throw in a dark horse on, on the top half here. Um, also on the top half is my upset alert, Felix Ojeali-Asim. This isn't a conditions thing. I like FAA in these conditions compared to the slower clay court events. Uh, this is a confidence thing and this is a draw thing. He's coming off of an injury layoff for his knee. His last match was March 27th in Miami. So it's been about a month. And again, I'm picking the injured guy. I kind of feel like an a-hole for doing that. You know, he was just hurt, just like uh, I did with Corda. But it is what it is. I have to do it. Uh, his draw stinks for him as well. And I know I just said that this section is kind of open. The section is open when it comes to, like, who's going to make a quarterfinal. 
In that respect, it's open. But it's not as open in the respect of FAA has an easy path. FAA does not. First match will be winner of Kubler and Lajevic. There are things to like with both guys there. But mainly the second match is the scary one. Shelton is the seed. This could be a big clay tournament for Ben Shelton. If there's going to be a big clay tournament, it's going to be this one. You know, I, I don't think, if he doesn't do anything here, I don't think he's going to do anything in Rome or RG. Uh, but you have Jan Leonard Struff and you have Lorenzo Sinego. Just a lot of talent there, a lot of weapons there. It feels like if one of those guys, between Shelton, Struff, Sinego, if one of them is feeling it and getting their weapons going in a positive manner, it's going to be, whoever does it, it's going to be tough to beat them. Especially if, if FAA is is under, you know, lacking in, in match play, which he is. Popcorn, Titi Pass versus Team Edmund. I did say this in the mailbag, but for any of you guys who didn't make it to minute 55 of my last mailbag, I do think that Team has started to do some good things. He's hitting his forehand a lot bigger recently. So he's kind of reeled me back in. Here we go again. Mm, is, does, is, do we have something here with Team? I make him a good favorite against Kyle Edmund. I just haven't seen Edmund moving well enough. The footwork has just been too sloppy ever since he's come back from those knee issues. Uh, I hope Kyle gets it going again. Uh, if, you know, Edmund in his prime would have loved these conditions. Super lively, quick, you know, high bouncing clay. He would have loved these conditions. But uh, yeah, I do think team wins that. And then Pass team in the second round, that could be some fun. Maybe. I hope. All right, quarterfinals here. My quarterfinal is Stefanos Tsitsipas defeats Francis Tiafo. Um, Tiafo. Let's talk about Tiafo. Let's talk about Sarindolo first. I considered Sarindolo here. I just don't think this is the right clay for him. He wants it as slow as possible. Uh, my least favorite part of Francisco Sarindolo's game is his serve, which I don't like in Madrid. I want you to have a good serve to take advantage of these conditions. So I'm probably, I like some of the signs that I've seen from Sarindolo. I'm probably going to pick him to do well at, at one of these next couple events coming up, but not here. Tiafo, I don't put too much into the Houston title. Other than good for him for getting that weight off his shoulders. Lost to Rusevori last week in Barcelona. He hasn't been very good in Madrid. Got smoked by Green last year. I didn't watch that match. I don't remember that match. But that's like a kind of a yikes scoreline. But again, neither has anyone in this section. Nobody's ever done well at in Madrid in this section. So ultimately, I went with Foe to make the quarterfinal out of the top half. Because... Of the options, he's been by far the best overall player this year. And he's got a big serve. And you got to give it up to his win-loss record. You got to give it up to how well he's played this year everywhere. You know, he's 19-6 and six on the season. 76% win percentage. That is uh, easily like top 15 stuff from a win percentage standpoint. So this is like, a, you know what? 
you're playing at a high enough level where even if there's not a lot of evidence in the details, I'm just going to put you through because the draw is good and you're that good a player that I think you can just get through this. Tsitsipas, uh, I know the, the Barcelona final wasn't great, but ultimately he did string together three consecutive top 30 wins last week in Barcelona. And I know that for a player as good as Stefanos, it's the kind of thing that you can kind of, I don't know, brush off like, oh yeah, he's supposed to do that. He's Stefanos Tsitsipas. Yeah, that's true, but things were not looking very good for him up until this point. So I don't take that kind of thing for granted, and I don't think you should either. The fact that he was able to string together those wins shouldn't be lost. You know, it's a sign that Tsitsipas is kind of back to playing the level that he needs to. And uh, the right shoulder thing seems to be a thing of the past. I like his track record in Madrid. He has a final in 2019, made the semis last year. Uh, those last two, you know, runs took a loss to Djokovic, took a loss to Zverev, lost to Kaspar Ruud the year before uh, early. It was a third round match when he lost to, to Ruud. So it's taken really good clay court players to beat him. And he's also got some big wins here. He beat Zverev here, which is, as we've been through, a super tall task. Beat Nadal here, beat Rublev here. Rublev's a guy who actually gives him some trouble historically. And he's got that nice combination of high power weapons and clay court movement that works really, really well in Madrid. So I love Pass this week, and I think he makes the semis. Daniil Medvedev's quarter. Top seeds are Medvedev, Taylor Fritz, Cameron Nori, Alex Timonor, Denis Shapovalov, Botik van de Zanschkult, Miamir Ketsmanovic, and Yuri Lehechka. I don't know if I made a mistake with my things, but you can already see. My dark horse is Christian Garin. My upset alert is Botik van de Zanschkult. And my early popcorn, I white flagged this one. I threw in the towel. I didn't even see my Kokonakis Munar. Like that weird matchup that, you know, technically on paper isn't intriguing, but I just kind of want to watch it. I, I didn't even find that matchup for this one, unfortunately. All right, dark horse Christian Garin. He's actually, first of all, in, in good form. He's won at least two matches at his last four events. Every single event he's played, last four, he's won at least two matches. That does include qualifying. Then you look at his track record in altitude on clay. Well, he's got five career titles. One of them comes in Santiago. One of them comes in Sao Paulo, which is like 2,300 feet. One of them comes in Cordoba. Cordoba, it, it, it might be... What is Cordoba altitude? I'm looking it up. Oh! I'm glad I looked it up. I thought that was... Oh, wait. No, 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 no. Not... not. Do I have the wrong Cordoba? I'm getting Cordoba, Spain. Isn't that in Argentina? Isn't that tournament in Argentina? Okay, in Argentina, there's altitude. It's at... Uh, 13,000 feet. The tennis tournament's in Argentina, isn't it? I think so. I didn't know there were two Cordobas. Um, okay, anyway. Point was, he's got five career titles, three come at altitude clay. 
Madrid history, two appearances, quarterfinal in 2021, beat Medvedev, crushed Tiafo last year, as I mentioned, ended up losing to Felix. I feel good about Karina as a dark horse here. Shout out to Aslan Karatsev, who actually beat Jan Lennard Struff in qualifying pretty easily, which might be one of Karatsev's best wins in a while. So maybe that, you know, hyper-offensive stuff is uh, finding the court a little bit for Karatsev right now, which would be cool. So Struff's a lucky loser. You probably gathered that, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. And also, uh, shout out to uh, Yosukwa Nuki, who also came through qualifying and is in this quarter. And he just looks so talented when I watched him play Tiafo in Miami. So I want to shout him out as well. My upset alert is Botik von Zanschkolt. Yeah, pretty simple. Like, I don't know how you get over what happened in Munich quickly or easily. It just seems like it's going to be hard and might take a couple weeks. He plays the winner of Karatsev, who I just mentioned, and Laszlo Gera, who's a power clay quarter, might play well here. You know, might be a good conditions fit for Laszlo Gera as well. Early popcorn. None, as I mentioned. But in lieu of the early popcorn, I do want to say that uh, this third round match, there's one third round match that I do kind of have circled because I think it could be be interesting. Uh, Nori and Shapovalov. Just in the sense that I feel like both of them could really use a result and the unseated players in that section I don't think are too dangerous. So... I think we might see that Shapovalov-Nori third round. And I think Cam will get it. But Nori's been a little bit disappointing recently. Shapovalov's been disappointing for, for much longer than that. You know, really the entire year. So it could be an opportunity for one of them to have a little run here. So I want to highlight that. Quarterfinal prediction here is... Daniil Medvedev defeats Taylor Fritz. Yes, Daniil Medvedev on clay. I know. Insane, right? Let's talk about Fritz first. Uh, Fritz, pro proving me right so far on clay with, you know, back-to-back -back semifinals, Monte Carlo, Barcelona. And the attacking tennis that he brings to the table and the big first serve that he brings to the table should be even more suitable here. Plus, potentially a very nice path for him. Uh, there is nobody I really have to think too hard about picking against him in his section. So I do think the draw was pretty kind to Taylor Fritz here. Um, let me just hammer home that point by uh, taking a look at his seeds. You got Mimir Kecmanovic. You got Shapovalov. Nori. Again, two players who are just kind of slumping. And Garin. The dark horse, you know, he's there, but I think Fritz can handle. Medvedev. First of all, I love that Daniil Medvedev got some rest. But you probably, if you've been listening to this entire preview, you probably know what I'm going to say. 
I think it's a massive deal that he can serve really effectively here. And in that sense, the altitude is going to be good for him. But not only am I talking about altitude, the two keys for Medvedev here, altitude and attitude. Eh? Pretty good. Alliteration, little rhyme there. I think his attitude is going to be good. I just feel it. I've been listening to kind of what he's been saying about the clay court season. I, you know, watched him in Monte Carlo and how he handled that situation. He knew that he probably wasn't going to have a great chance there. Not a lot of preparation, not a lot of rest. And I like the way he competed. So I feel like his attitude is going to be good. It was horrendous last time he played here. In 2021, acting like a total baby the entire time. I mean, no offense, but I think he'd be the first to say it. And that's why I feel comfortable saying that. You know, because Medvedev would be like, yeah, I was acting like a baby. Tell me about it. Totally. So I think that this is like a great chance for Medvedev to uh, to have a, a really big clay court result. And let's see if the forehand improvements will help him out on the clay now that he's had time to really rest and adjust. I, I never thought he had much of a chance to do great at Monte Carlo. And he did all right anyway. But this is the first tournament where I, I do think that Medvedev will show that uh, he can go on a run on clay. Here is your final weekend in three, two. Alcaraz defeats Runa in two sets. Tsitsipas over Medvedev in three. And in the final, a rematch of Barcelona, a repeat of Barcelona. Alcaraz over Tsitsipas two sets. Alcaraz Runa, I feel like mostly mentally is where Carlitos is far ahead of Holger. Plus, it would be a lot of tennis at this point for Runa if he did make the semifinals. And that's why I don't hesitate to pick Alcaraz in this hypothetical. Uh, Tsitsipas Medvedev is actually one that I went back and forth on quite a bit, especially because I think Medvedev overall has been playing much better tennis than Stefanos. And mentally, I really like where Medvedev would be at coming into this match. I, I don't think he'd feel a lot of pressure. I think Tsitsipas probably would feel a little bit of pressure. But ultimately, I think that Stefanos has played Medvedev so well the last couple times, even on quicker court surfaces. And, you know, on clay, where Tsitsipas moves so much better than Medvedev, still has the forehand edge can still kind of hang with him and serve big. Went with Tsitsipas. It was tough for me. It was tough. And frankly, if Alcaraz were in the final, I would much rather see Medvedev Alcaraz run it back in different conditions. So I would almost want Medvedev to win that. But, you know, alas, I have Tsitsipas. And Alcaraz Tsitsipas, 4-0 head-to-head now. You know, Tsitsipas went backwards in Barcelona. It looked less competitive than it had in their previous three meetings. And ultimately, I just don't know that Tsitsipas can beat Alcaraz with his backhand. So that's that. And, you know, again, the, the sets is always reflective of how confident I am. I pick Alcaraz in two sets because it's a pretty confident nod for Carlos Alcaraz. So uh, I think that Carlitos repeats as Madrid champion. I will have a mailbag on Thursday, uh, French Open Power Rankings tomorrow. And uh, 
Let's enjoy Madrid. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini yeah, it's fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.